Welcome to The Ron Show for Thursday, December 15th, 2022. I'm your host, Ron Roberts, on the America One Radio app and on AmericaOneRadio.com. Our website is ronshowatl.com. If you miss an episode or want to hear a specific segment, got them all for you in blog form at ronshowatl.com. Email address ron at ronshowatl.com and our phone number. Whether you'd like to call and leave a voicemail to uh, have on the show or if you'd like to text your comments, feel free, 404-919-2725. So since election night, understandably, Stacey Abrams has kept a low profile. Now, I don't know if she did the Hillary Clinton wine in the woods walk kind of thing, but if she did, hey, I'm not going to argue against that kind of uh, post-electoral therapy. There are a lot of us who oftentimes after uh, crushing uh, election defeats for our uh, preferred candidates want to grab a bottle of Merlot or a Sauvignon or maybe a White Zen or something like that and just walk in the woods and (sighs) why, 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 why? If you're the candidate, I can totally understand it. However, Stacey Abrams has come out to show herself and that magnanimous smile, the one that just gets everybody else smiling when she's around. And she was on Good Morning America earlier this week to talk about the state of the Democratic Party. In fact, right out of the gate, before talking about some new children's books that she's going to be working on, this question was lobbed right at her. First, let's talk about this. Senator Raphael Warnock was the only Democrat to win a statewide office in Georgia last week. What does this mean for the state of Georgia and beyond? It means that we're continuing to move forward. Uh, We have to remember, it's been 20 plus years of Republican domination. In 2020, 2021, we started to make that shift. It didn't happen overnight and it's not going to happen overnight, but our job is to continue to build within the coalition of voters that we have, not only a sense of possibility, but using Reverend Warnock, Senator Warnock as an example, a sense of opportunity and achievement. I'm happy to hear her speak like that. I'm happy to hear this tone. The answer is pitch perfect. And it's something that Georgia Democrats, who I know have to come away somewhat frustrated. We didn't get Stacey Abrams elected, B. Gwynn. We didn't get our constitutional officers elected. We did not retake the General Assembly. But you cannot overturn decades of one party essentially rule in this state in one fell swoop or even in two fell swoops. I know we, we felt like 2018, we're really close. 2022 should be it. No one expected the pandemic. No one expected uh, Donald Trump and the irregularities that came with the 2020 cycle because of Donald Trump and the runoff wins. And I think the runoff wins gave us all a false sense of we're here, we, we've done it. And I, I've been saying this for weeks now, you have to remember, Donald Trump told a lot of the Republican base, the elections are rigged, don't bother, don't show up. And a lot of them didn't show up for the runoff. And I'm not saying that Ossoff and Warnock couldn't have won in the runoff if the GOP base had turned out full-throated, but the numbers are what they are. They tell us when we look at Kemp v. Abrams, we're probably still four to seven points off when it comes to where this state is. Is it a swing state? Yeah, kind of, but it's still, I think, a swings-leaning red state. I think the Stacey Abrams results showed that. I also think, and, and many of you have heard me say this before, there are a lot of flaws in this campaign on the Abrams side of the spectrum. And Brian Kemp, as the incumbent, enjoyed a lot of the perks that come with being the incumbent. And 
the economic success that followed the pandemic. A lot of that success, thanks in large part to the economic recovery post-pandemic under President Joe Biden, but still, he reopened the state in April of 2020. I mean, like a month into the pandemic, reopened the state. Not the governor's mansion tours for quite a while, but the state. It's not hard to remember her assistant, Lauren Grow Wargo's 52-tweet, here's what happened, retrospective, either. Nonetheless, I, for one, appreciate seeing Stacey Abrams back out, being a public face for the Democratic Party, Georgia Democrats, Southern Democrats, and of course she's out promoting her new book, her new children's book line. That's all fine and well, knowing that when you go on Good Morning America, just weeks after uh, running for an office that you've not been able to win in back-to-back cycles, you're going to be asked political questions. It didn't take a 52-tweet diatribe for Stacey to note what she is doing year-round to engage voters and to register voters when she said this. The work that I do, the work I am so committed to, is about engaging voters year-round because it's not just about somebody winning an election. It's about your life getting better, and that should be our mission. Good for her. Glad to see her out and about. And for those who are, you know, throwing dirt on the casket thinking she's done, no, she may not run for office again. Don't know. Hard to say. But she's still actively engaged, and her energy and her enthusiasm and her organization is definitely one that will be beneficial for uh, Democrats who are going to be running for office in the near future. And incidentally, there is a piece in the AJC today. Uh, Headline is, after Abrams lost and Warnock win, where did Georgia Dems go from here? So I'm going to spend a good bit of time on my next segment, uh, kind of skimming through that and some poll quotes and some data, this, that, and the other, and uh, give some shotgun thoughts on that. Uh, Jason Carter, who was the 2014 gubernatorial candidate, makes a comment that I somewhat agree with and somewhat don't. Anyway, we'll discuss that next segment here on The Ron Show. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, meanwhile, is openly talking about what's next when it comes to Georgia runoff laws. And uh, we talked about this a few days ago. He pitched uh, three proposals, uh, one of which puts a heavy burden on the more populous counties in the state to staff more people, open more locations. Remember now, SB 202 explicitly disallows gifts to aid local elections officials with completing the task of running elections. By gifts, I'm going to explicitly point out that in 2020, the Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta United organization, and the Atlanta Hawks gifted staffing and venues, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, State Farm Arena, to aid Fulton County with early voting. And, I, you know, I don't remember if they did it for runoffs or not, but uh, nonetheless, those are no longer allowed thanks to SB 202. So Fulton County would have an exceptional burden if Brad Raffensperger's uh, first proposal to lean on the more populous states to staff up and open more locations were to come to fruition. Wouldn't surprise me if the General Assembly and Brian Kemp did that, though. To me, it's sort of mean-spirited. It's like tying a kid's shoelaces together on both feet 
And the PE coach saying, okay, now you're supposed to win this race, so go win this race. Come on, coach. The second proposal is to allow a candidate who hits a threshold of, say, 45% in a more than two-person race. Allow that person, if they are the leader in the plurality, to win the seat outright. Not sure how I feel about that. I do know that ranked choice voting is something that I'm definitely intrigued by because it gives us the runoff without the cost. That's right, the expense, the human capital, the time that we, the people, and those who work on these election boards and these volunteers and and staffers have to expend. And it's really pretty simple. And it's really not that complicated to explain. I mean, if you have three candidates running for an office, oh, let's go with uh, let's go with Warnock, Walker, and the, the Libertarian. I forget his name, Chase Chase Oliver. There it is. Uh, you voted for Warnock. Warnock didn't win fifty percent plus. So in the run, in the ranked choice scenario, you would have said, okay, if it's got to be somebody else, it's got to be Chase Oliver. Okay, great. But say Chase Oliver's voters said, okay, I'm definitely voting for Chase Oliver, but if he doesn't win, my second choice is Raphael Warnock. Warnock had 49% of the vote. Walker was not that close. I was like 43%, right? And Chase Oliver had his... Chase Oliver's votes, the second the second choice that they made would then go to the other two candidates left after he is eliminated. His votes, their second choice would go to those other two candidates. And that's where you get your 50% from. Obviously, in the runoff, Raphael Warnock one fifty percent plus, but in the ranked choice scenario, when Chase Oliver is eliminated and his voters' second choices are dispersed to the other two candidates, you get a fifty percent plus. See how easy that is? You do it all the same day, general election day. There's no more early voting. There's no more absentee ballot requests, waiting for the mail, standing in long lines. None of that. It's all done on election day. It just makes the most sense. Okay, later in the show, I get to talk with my good friend, actor Michael Kelly. Third season of Jack Ryan hits Amazon Prime December 21st. You remember Michael, right, from House of Cards. Ooh, he was terrible in House of Cards. Uh, one, of my favorite movings, uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, Changeling that he co-starred along with Angelina Jolie. Anyway, Michael is on later to talk about the third season of Jack Ryan. And if you ever followed him on Twitter, he used to be really politically active and not so much anymore. So I asked him... A lot about that. Why aren't you so politically engaged on Twitter anymore? His interesting answer is in that interview. We'll have that on the second half of the Ron Show on the America One Radio app and AmericaOneRadio.com. Stand by. Incidentally, for those who don't know, my full-time job is that I am a realtor, a real estate agent with EXP Realty. And you can dive right into the latest listings, get your home value checked out, check out open houses by visiting me at rononthereal.com. Even share some uh, blog posts that has me focusing in on the real estate industry and trends. Obviously, interest rates are climbing right now, which has a lot of folks thinking, oh, that means the market's going to go south. Mm, Atlanta's, Atlanta's a different animal. Money Magazine actually says that Atlanta is the number one place to live, the best place to live in the United States. And by 2040, there will be two and a half million more of us living in Metro Atlanta. There's like six million now. That's a big chunk of people coming in the next 18 years. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, 18 years, that's that's a long way from now. Do you know it was 18 years ago we were all jamming in the club to a new song called Yeah? 
by Usher, Lil Jon, and Ludacris? Yeah. <laughs> Not all that long ago, right? Life moves pretty fast. Ferris Bueller, thank you. Currently, we are seeing mortgage interest rates at or above 7%. That's a far cry from the below 3% figures we were enjoying the last two years, but they're not all that different than what they were in 2004, 18 years ago. And by 2040, if you pull the trigger on a home purchase or a rental income investment property today, you'd be either done with it if you chose a 15-year mortgage or more than halfway through a 30-year note with equity growing by the year in a local housing market needing space for two and a half million more people by 2040. What I'm saying is what you buy now is likely going to be wildly more valuable in 2040 or even 2030. It really is good to be number one, especially if you own your own home or a rental income property or both in Metro Atlanta. Hit me up, Ron at rononthereal.com, 843-283-0078, Georgia MLS 396-720.